Shut up and sit down. And we're off. What's up, guys? Welcome back to the show. Uh, thanks for tuning in. If this is your first time listening to the Quiet Part Loud podcast, I'm your host, Daryl. Uh, this is episode 113. So um, should have been out with you guys last week, but unfortunately, we didn't get around to doing it for a number of reasons, but we're back now. Uh, and I f- did foresee a couple of issues cropping up this week with timing and scheduling. So this is coming at you a little early, and usually we do Wednesdays and Fridays. Well, this is coming out on a Tuesday. <laughs> Fuck. Um, uh, this is being recorded Monday evening. Just got back from training client, uh, did some fitness training in the rain this evening, which was uh, which was soggy and, and fun, but we still got after it, and that's the main point. Um, as I said, we tried to do this thing last week, but scheduling conflicts didn't allow it. So, you know, the best thing you can do uh, when you when you have a break of of that consistency is to is just to jump straight back in and try to correct the error and uh, and keep pushing forward and that's what we're doing. So, uh, in light of some potential roadblocks for the remainder of this week, you're getting an early episode, although it's kind of late. But never mind, we're here now, um, and there's plenty to talk about, right? Because we've been away now for kind of a week and a half, and so much has gone by. But we're not gonna. I don't think we're going to get too political today. Uh, there's some other stuff that I want to talk about. And um, and yeah, I think I think we're just going to jump right in because uh, just, an F, just a heads up, there's going to be some UFC talk, uh, but I'm going to most likely put that at the end of the show because uh, I want to review the event that happened uh, this weekend at Madison Square Gardens, UFC 244. So we'll be talking about that a little bit later. But the first thing I wanted to talk about was... Um, was something that happened, not to me, but something that I saw happen uh, the other day. And it, it kind of made me think about something that's that's come up a few times now uh, in different content that I've seen and so on and so forth. But I'll get right to it. So I'm going to the shop the other day after I go to the gym. And I go in, I buy my bits, I'm heading out to head home. And this person is smoking, right, as they're walking in the same direction as I am, right? But they're in front of me. And they're smoking a cigarette. And as he's walking, he passes this woman and she starts to cough horrendously and starts to make all kinds of dramatic gestures and you know the whole (coughs) I can't breathe I'm choking you know all of this stuff and the guy turned around and kind of gave her a glance and then you know kind of you saw like kind of a little hunch in his shoulders or what have you and he kept walking and kept smoking and you know she was she was playing the the dramatic victim and I looked back at her and you know as soon as the guy had turned back around and walked the other way she was absolutely fine and she didn't she didn't she didn't seem to have any uh, prolonged issues from this traumatic experience. But it got me thinking because the woman that was coughing and, you know, putting on all these theatrics to this guy who was smoking. And don't get me wrong, smoking is terrible, right? It's the most disgusting thing that a person can do. And it's, you know, it's probably 
the most dangerous product that we consume, knowing that it's as dangerous it is, as it is. But I turn, as I saw the woman who was making these, you know, dramatic gestures, I looked at her and she was morbidly obese. And you may, may think to yourself, well, what's that got to do with anything? And the reason I bring, the reason I mention her weight is because this is a grotesquely obese woman who's criticizing a guy for smoking and that smoke, you know, getting in her face and causing secondhand smoke and, and all that, you know, the byproducts of the poison and, and all of that. Presumably that was the point she was trying to drive home to this guy. But I'm thinking to myself, well, surely a whiff of smoke is not going to add a lot to the tremendous damage that this person's already done to their body. And what also got me, what I was, what I was also thinking about in this, in this quick moment, this quick momentary exchange between two people that I was just observing, was that what if this guy would have turned around and said, anything about her weight, anything about her appearance, anything about the fact that, you know, she, she wants him to lay off the cigarette, but what if he turned around and said, why don't you lay off the fucking diet soda? Or why don't you lay off the salt? Or why don't you get your ass up and go to the gym? Because it's it seems socially acceptable to shame somebody for smoking in public in a very dramatic theatrical way. But fat shaming is completely abhorrent behavior, right? It's seen as bullying. It's seen as just picking on people for something that they don't have any control of, seemingly no control of. And it just got me thinking, like, how come one's okay but the other's not? Because they're both doing the same thing. They're both killing the recipients, right? The person that eats like a slob, who's grotesquely obese, who's got a BMI of 60, who's got a blood sugar like chocolate milk, Aren't they as at risk of dying as someone who, I don't know, smokes 10, 20 cigarettes a day? It's a question I've got. Because this woman openly shamed this guy for smoking, which is a choice he's allowed to make as a human being. If he wants to poison himself to death, it's his right to do so. We sell these things legally, so what's the problem? Why is it anybody else's business that he does it? Because... She got a whiff of it as she was walking by. She shouldn't exist in public because you can smoke in public. But how come it's not okay for me as a person that stays in shape? I don't, she doesn't subscribe to his behavior. So she felt it was okay to call him out on it. Well, I don't subscribe to her behavior, i.e. I go to the gym, I try to eat healthy, I try to maintain a, a healthy, active lifestyle. This person clearly did not. But what would be the difference between what she did and if I turned around to her and said, hey, it, not even provoked, if I just went up to her because she lives a different lifestyle than I do. She makes different health choices than I do. If I was to go up to her and say, hey, have you ever thought about putting the saturated fat down or the trans fat down? Have you ever thought about not eating as many carbs as you do? Have you ever thought about potentially going 
to the gym or sweating or trying to do some exercise? Has it ever crossed your mind? I, could, I, I would venture a guess that that would be borderline criminal if I did something like that. So what I'm just asking, what's the difference? Why can we smoke shame somebody, but we can't fat shame somebody? Is there some inherent difference? Because in my opinion, they're both choices. They're both choices that the person is, is, has decided to take in their life as opposed to not, right? That guy's smoking as opposed to not smoking. So if he dies of lung cancer, that's on him. That woman has chosen to live a sedentary, unhealthy lifestyle. So if she dies of uh, hypertension or heart attack or whatever, that's her choice. She's allowed to eat what she wants. I'm just asking from a point of criticism, if she, as someone who is doing something so detrimental to her health, is allowed to turn around and criticize somebody else, why isn't he allowed to do it to her? It just doesn't play for me. It doesn't, it doesn't equate for me that one's okay and one's not. I mean, people should be allowed to do whatever they want, right? If you want to smoke yourself to death, that's your prerogative. If you want to eat yourself to death, that's your prerogative. But don't be a hypocrite by criticizing somebody just because they're doing a different form of suicide as you, right? Just because somebody chooses to jump off a bridge rather than shoot themselves in the face, that's not a call you get to weigh in on. That is definitely the definition of the pot calling the kettle black, right? So it was just a bit like as an outside observer, I was like, I was like the balls on this person to go ahead and, and make such a dramatic scene about this guy just casually walking by or having a smoke. And again, I don't like smoking. I don't, I'm not, you know, just like I eat healthy, right? I try to treat myself as well as I can. But. I try not to be a, a hypocrite as well. And it was just funny to see this from the outside because, you know, back in the day, I used to work in the restaurant industry. I was a bartender and a waiter. And I always got a kick out of people who would come in. And you see these families, you can imagine, you know, I'm sure you've seen them. You know, the kids ate and they're already you know, they're already having a right go, a right time of it, right? Because they grow up in an environment that's not producing healthy results, not producing healthy examples. And you get these eight and 10-year-old kids who are just grotesque with their obesity. And you can just tell they've got no chance. They've got no chance. They're not learning any lessons. They're not having any values in terms of what a healthy, active lifestyle is instilled in them. And they would come in and they would order, you know, they'd come in for pizza night, the, the pizza special night. And they'd come in and they'd order four large pizzas, all the toppings, and a pitcher of Diet Coke. Like that's the savior in this, in this thing. Wash it down with some good old diet soda. Put some sweetener in you to top it off. And I'm just like, choices, guys. 
choices. Even back then, I was like, what kind of choices are these? How can you get away with thinking that this is okay? How can you justify this to yourself? But it's a path of least resistance. It's a path of attempting to look like you're doing something to help your situation when you're actually not. And you actually couldn't give a fuck less. But again, it's, it's the hypocrisy of it. It's the hypocrisy of it for me, especially in this situation that I just, that I just mentioned. At the end of the day, in both of those scenarios, the only thing that gets change done is work. You got to work. Don't, don't point the mirror away from you. Stand it up on your desk in front of you and stare at it long and hard. That's the person you should be criticizing. And it takes me to this thing that I saw. I don't know how old this is. I think it's fairly recent, but you guys have probably seen it. Um, James Corden's response to Bill Maher for fat for Bill Maher fat shaming, right? So Bill Maher on his show was mentioning how he thinks we should be bringing fat shaming back because it works. And the population is so unhealthy and so, you know, obese from childhood to death that maybe some fat shaming might help. And James Corden has, you know, come out and and responded to this by saying, well, if you watch the skit, it's quite funny, actually, because he effectively fat shames the entire segment. I'm talking about James Corden in his rebuttal to why what Bill Maher said was inappropriate and inconsiderate. He spends about three or four minutes fat shaming fat people, fat shaming himself. And then he tries to just turn it around on the fact that it's a it's a it's more of an issue to do with poverty. And that's a cop out to me. I understand what he's saying in terms of the socioeconomic impact of healthy eating and or the ability to eat healthy and you know maybe some extracurricular activities that you might not have the the money for and, and things like this but this is not what we're talking about we're talking about choices we're talking about the choice to do something that's maybe harder than the alternative but will get you the right results And for him to sit there on national television and play the victim and play it like this is only a matter of bullying and to use himself in his example while he's fat shaming himself is utterly hilarious to me. Saying that he struggled with weight all of his, all of his life and that It's something that he continues to battle with until he dies? Well, no, actually. It's not something you have to battle with until the day you die if you get serious about it. And for him to sit up there and make it seem like this is some insurmountable goal is what we talk about on this show. It's becoming a victim. It's making yourself a victim. 
It's this victim culture. It's not my fault. It's my circumstances. It's not my fault. It's the things that I can afford to eat. I don't know anything about working out. I don't have the time. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm depressed. I feel sad. You know why you're sad and depressed? Because you're fat. You're out of shape. You're sore. You feel uncomfortable all the time. You probably don't sleep right. You're probably sweating. You probably stink. You probably have a hard time doing the most basic fundamental activities that a human being should be able to do. That's why you're sad and depressed. Maybe there's some underlying issues here. I'm not discarding the whole mental health issue. I'm not discarding all of the, you know, childhood abuse and the bad upbringings that can lead to, you know, mental health issues that can eat, that, that can lead to eating disorders and, and things like this. I'm not talking about those things. I'm talking about the majority of people who just refuse flat out to make hard decisions. And that would rather turn around and put their shit on someone else or blame somebody else for why they can't get to an optimal position in life. This woman criticizing this guy for having a smoke while she can barely stand up. She's not mad at the guy for smoking. She's already got respiratory issues. It's not that whiff of, of cigarette smoke that's going to cause her to have uh, cardiovascular issues, a heart attack from clogged arteries. That's not what's going to cause it, sweetie. Trust me. It's going to be the fact that you probably eat fried chicken, crisps, chocolate, French fries, deep fried this, deep fried that. Because I know for a fact, you're not eating salads. You're not eating whole foods. You're not going for a walk every day. You're not doing the bare minimum of required daily activity and exertion that the human body is required to sustain normal functionality. But yet you can turn around and criticize this poor bastard just for having a cigarette. Maybe he wants to. Maybe he's going through some of the same shit you're going through. But rather than show any semblance of compassion, you'd rather turn your frustrations and your pain outward. Rather than taking some accountability. So it just goes back to my problem. It goes back to the to the to the kind of question I had. And it goes back to this James Corden thing that I that I mentioned. How come I can't fat shame somebody? I don't want to fat shame anybody, but how come I can't? And why is it called fat shaming when I'm just telling somebody that they're killing themselves? If you see somebody smoking, you're presumably, you know, it happened. I remember a friend of mine said they were on holiday and they were waiting for a taxi and some woman came up off the street Stop beside them while they were waiting at the taxi, uh, like taxi rank where you hail the the, the taxis from, and she said, "My sister died from lung cancer because of smoking." Do you know what you're doing to yourself? Like people don't care when it comes to the cigarettes. But he said again, this woman that came up to him on the street was fat. But it could have caused a serious confrontation if he would have turned around and said, hey, why don't you leave that funnel cake you're stuffing into your face alone, <laughs> right? And I think it's absolutely right. 
Stop playing the victim. Stop putting your shit on other people and take some responsibility for your actions. I'm telling you guys, I've spoken about this on the last couple of shows, right? Pulling yourself out of a funk. And the reason I've been speaking about that is because I've been in one. Real bad, actually. I say real bad. That's too dramatic. It's not been real bad. It's been real bad for me. And and real bad for me means, oh, well, I wasn't working out five days a week. I was working out four days a week. And I had on the trot three weeks in a row. I had probably, I don't know, let's call, call it a total of like 10 beers more than I normally would have on a, on a working week, which would be, you know, a couple a week or whatever, right? And over the course of, you know, three weeks, I probably had 10 or 12 more beers than that. So for me, that's excessive. But it's not the excess. It's what the booze does to me that had me in a funk. Because as we know, it's a sedative. It takes your serotonin levels right down. It makes you feel sluggish. It makes you feel a bit shit. And after doing more of that than I normally do over a sustained period of time, it had me in a funk. It had me feeling like shit. It had me feeling a bit depressed, had me feeling very moody, had me questioning, you know, my motivation as to why I do certain things, why I do this podcast, why I work out so much, why I continue to train other people. It fucks with your head. So I get the mental aspect of what eating unhealthy can do to you or living an unhealthy lifestyle can do to you and how that can perpetuate a cycle of behavior. But guess what? Nobody got me out of it. I got me out of it by taking accountability, by looking at myself in the mirror and having a very frank conversation with myself to say, hey, look at your gut. And it's not fat, but it is for me. And it's not my standard. You understand? Do you see the pattern of behavior here? It's not for other people. It's for me. And that's what it needs to be about for you. You don't need to be mad at that guy for having a cigarette. You need to be mad with yourself for doing whatever you've been doing or not doing for the past 25 years that's got you to the state where you can barely walk without a cane. Or you can't walk up a flight of stairs. And I go back to this James Corden thing, right? Celebrities coming on and and perpetuating this this feeling of of I'm the victim, I'm the victim. Put the you know you're the victim. It's not your fault. Don't take any accountability. There's other you know there's external forces working against you here. Fuck that. Fuck that. Pull yourself up. Pull yourself up. Look in the mirror. And have a go at shaming yourself for once. This doesn't mean cutting yourself. This doesn't mean abusing yourself. This doesn't mean, I don't know, whatever. Fuck, I don't know. It means taking accountability. That's what this means. Am I in favor of going around every fat person I see and and, and making some derogatory remark about you know, how filthy and disgusting they are or how gross they look or how in, uh, you know, unathletic they are or whatever. No, I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. But I don't think there's anything wrong with calling people out on their bullshit. 
when you get this fat model that's on the cover of Cosmopolitan, both the fat model and Cosmopolitan need to be absolutely shamed for doing that. Because she's perpetuating this, perpetuating this as a healthy body image, which it's not. And Cosmopolitan are pushing this to sell more advertising. And doing so in a very irresponsible manner. James Corden's doing the same thing. He's pandering to an audience who he knows most likely are overweight for the most part. Because that's the norm of the population these days. Fuck. I tell you what, I didn't mean to talk about it for 25 minutes, that's for sure. <laughs> but I, I don't know if you guys understand what I'm... Like, I hope you get where I'm coming from. I'm not trying to be rude. I'm not trying to be derogatory to people. I'm talking about jolting the population into some accountability. Some self... Some self-reliance. Some self-esteem, man. Have some fucking pride in yourself. If you're smoking 20 cigarettes a day and you smell like a, a, a soggy ashtray, you're a disgusting fucking pig, in my opinion. But if you sit there and eat 10, 12,000 calories of garbage every day and you're morbid, morbidly obese as a result, you're fucking disgusting to me. And in both cases, I think real accountability needs to be instilled. Real accountability needs to be taken. And action needs to be, you know, action needs to be taken as well. I don't know. Anyways, moving on. <laughs> um, oh, here, here's a message for, for everybody out there that runs a business. Uh, can we stop bringing, can we stop doing Christmas before Halloween, please? Because it's really fucking annoying. Like, I'm buying pumpkins last week for Halloween, and the Halloween costumes in the grocery store, the little masks and little decorations, right? They're next to the advent calendars. Guys, one fucking holiday at a time, please. I mean, this is, it's, I don't know, like, maybe I just didn't notice it, but I think that the the time between the Halloween celebrations and the Christmas celebrations, I think they just... They, they got smaller and smaller and smaller every year until now they actually have overlapped each other. It's crazy to me. Like literally two weeks ago, two weeks ago, they were already up. I bought my stuff last week just before Halloween. But the advent calendars, the Christmas decorations, all that shit's already up. I'm just like, oh my God, the, the food, you know, like the, the platters and shit that they start selling in the grocery stores, right? They're already up. I'm like, well, it's not even November yet. They've got the Christmas channel on the on the satellite already. It's like, guys, come on. Like, are they suffering? I don't know if the retail outlets are suffering now year on year, but they're going hard in the paint to get you in there thinking about buying your Christmas turkey and your bullshit as soon as possible. It's going to be like an all-year thing pretty soon. I'm just like, who, who's doing this? <laughs> like, it's just, it's just very, very strange to me. You know, October, October 25th, and there's advent calendars for Christmas up. Was it, I don't know if it was always this bad, or maybe it's just me getting older and noticing it, but 
yeah, I, I've never, I've never noticed it this early before. And, uh, and it's disturbing, right? Because I really like Christmas. Like what Christmas for me when I was younger was, you know, tons of people around the house, drinks and partying, having a good time and going over to different family members houses. Then our family effectively um, <laughs> broke up. And then that didn't, that wasn't the case anymore. Um, through kind of my early to mid 20s, it wasn't the case anymore, it got less and less every year. And Christmas kind of lost a bit of its a bit, a bit of its um, a bit of its feeling for me. Like I, I I always loved Christmas as a kid, even though, you know, I've gone through Christmases where there were no presents, you know, uh, there was no Christmas dinner. Like I, I've been through some pretty rough Christmases as a kid that I remember vividly. But as I grew up, things got a little better. And then they, that lasted for a few years, you know, sort of eight, nine years. And then, and then it went away. And I always vowed to myself when I was starting to think about leaving Canada and coming to the UK, I always vowed to myself that, you know, when I, when I establish a family, whether that's, you know, my wife and I, or if we end up having kids, that, that Christmas was always going to be a very special time, a very warm time, a very easygoing time, you know, just a lot of love, man. Christmas is such a cool time of year. Um, I'm a huge, I love Christmas movies so much. Um, and I can just get down with the whole with the whole Christmas vibe, man. Get my hat, get my Santa hat on, you know. Drink the Baileys, you know. Play the play the Christmas carols every day, you know. All that, all that. I love it. I absolutely love it. And I always vowed that when I have a family of my own, um, that I would make Christmas a special time. But you have to start so early these days that you're exhausted by the time Christmas actually comes. And it's a real shame because, like I said, it's November. What is it today? November the 4th today. The Christmas channel has been locked and loaded for about two or three weeks. My wife's already dove in. She's dived in. I said, listen, you've got to give me. <clears throat> you've got to give me at least until November before you start playing these Christmas movies because I'm going to get burnt out. By the time Christmas comes, I'm going to be like, here's your fucking presents. Go open them in the other room. I'm going to have a drink and I'm going back to bed. And I don't want it to be like that because I love the festivities of Christmas. And I just wish we could take our time. We're losing patience with everything. Everything's got to be now, 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 now. And it's just, I just wish we'd leave it alone. I just wish we'd take our time with things a little bit more. Some things are better, you know, better enjoyed slowly. And I think Christmas is one of those. Because once you're in it, then you're fully in it and you're absorbed by it. But you can't maintain that for two fucking months. Enough. Enough. I think the I think there should be a rule that says the earliest you can start Christmas is like the 15th or 16th of November. Halfway through November. That's it. Then you can start. Until then, you're still in Halloween. Fucking America's still got Thanksgiving to come. And even in the middle of November, they won't have had their Thanksgiving. But I'm really looking forward to Christmas this year. Really looking forward to it. We're going to do the house up real nice. And uh, I just got to, I got to, I got to get my wife to take it easy on the, on the really, I was calling B-list. They're more like D-list Christmas films. You know, these ones, right? 
They'll have some stupid name. <laughs> like, like, I don't know, like Saving Christmas on, on, on Sixpence Lane or some shit like that. And it'll have some TV actor from some show 25 years ago that you're like, oh, there he is. You know, or some girl that was supposed to be some hot shit. And then she couldn't act to save her life. So now she just does these like made for TV style movies. But I like the classics. I like Die Hard. I like Jingle All the Way. I like National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. I like Love Actually. I love the Christmas Carol. Give me the old one. Give me the 1930s one. Love it. I love it. But I'm not getting down with some of these other stupid Christmas movies. You can't just throw new shit at me and expect it to stick. I think Love Actually is like the newest one that I'll accept. <laughs> but Christmas is right around the corner and you motherfuckers better get shopping because I just realized it's like, oh, well, if you're in the UK, you got one more check. <laughs> you got one more pay pack before Christmas. You better hope there's some uh, there's some bonus in there for that ass. Because <clears throat> Christmas ain't getting any cheaper, folks. Christmas is a religious holiday. My balls. It's the most commercial holiday of the year. It's all about the presents. Speaking of religion, Kanye's trying to start his own cult. That's a fact. <laughs> that is an absolute fact. And who thought we'd talk about James Corden twice in one episode? But the actual the um, the carpool karaoke that him and Kanye did uh, from the airplane was actually quite cool. <coughs> Although the beats and the uh, songs that he was covering, but just changing the words, none of them, well, I think half of them were from his new album or from previous albums of his, and the other half were just ripped off from other people. <coughs> he just changed the words on them. But I'll save you the time the 45 minutes or whatever the length of the album is of his new of Kanye's new album which i think is God is King or something like that oh it's terrible oh it's it is it is awful guys like don't bother unless you're into gospel unless you're into nonsense then go ahead and and jump all over that but Kanye's absolutely trying to start a cult but again it's just like no accountability for his past actions. He just finds God and all is forgiven, right? Because that's that's all this is. How can he justify his life? How can he justify his marriage with some of the shit that he says now? Because apparently he doesn't curse anymore. He doesn't watch pornography anymore. Yet his wife and her entire family walk around half fucking naked and make a career off of it, right? You're still married to a, a girl who got famous by sucking dick and taking it on camera. Let's not forget right? How do you reconcile that your wife's father or stepfather killed a girl, right? Killed a woman, right? Talking on his cell phone, driving his car, bumped a woman into traffic. She got smashed and got killed. Got away with it. Why? Because she transitioned into a, into a woman, right? Bruce Jenner became Caitlyn, female of the year, most brave fucking sports personality of the century. But she got away with, she got away with driving a woman into traffic and getting her killed. You want to talk about justice and criminal cr criminal reform? <coughs> criminal justice reform? Why don't you look in your own household to start? 
You want to talk about leading by example, start at home. Make sure your own bed's made. You can't justify your life when Kim's walking around like a prostitute, enhancing every fucking inch of her body, right? Sending negative body images, uh, like, uh, what do you want to say? It's like um, the body image that she puts out and encourages young girls to adhere to with her sisters as well. How do you justify that as the Lord's work or okay in God's name? So this guy is just a walking contradiction to me. I see right through him. Um, I'm not hearing all the mental health shit, to be honest with you. Maybe he does. Maybe he doesn't. I don't really care. But his wife is constantly, sexual, constantly sexualizing herself. She's helped her sisters do the same thing. They've built a dynasty off the back of it. Kanye, like last year, <coughs> released a song that says, you're such a fucking hoe, I love it. And now he's a God-fearing man that's releasing a gospel album, doing Sunday services, trying to develop a cult. Get the fuck out of here. All he's trying to do is sell Yeezys. He's trying to bring baggy clothes back, and I'm not buying it. So Kanye can fuck right off. I've said it before. Sick of his shit. He's got nothing interesting to say. His music, this album, dog shit. Don't bother, guys. So that's my two cents on Kanye. <laughs> um, <clears throat> the other thing I wanted to talk about was, um, was this clip I saw of Obama giving a speech the other day where he was talking about... Um, how being woke is not advocacy. And I thought this was amazing, right? Like talking about criticizing people online then sitting back and actually not doing anything yourself. Again, right? This is about accountability. But he's like, this is not advocacy. He's like, being, being the wokest person in the room is not advocacy. You're going to run out of time with this policy and this way of thinking real soon is what he said. But nobody's trying to cancel Obama. Or maybe they are and I just haven't seen it yet. But if a regular person comes out and says what Obama says, they try to cancel that motherfucker straight away. Straight away. But Obama put it right. Obama put it right. He said, you can't be woke all the time. You're not doing anything. All you're doing is in a competition with everybody else <clears throat> to see who can stack up points for being the most progressive. And guess where that goes? absolutely nowhere because the game runs out of steam and people start calling you on your shit and guess what there's no infinite ways of being ultra progressive because once you get to a certain level you're just being a fascist you're just controlling people it doesn't work out like you think it's going to work out so stop that is effectively what obama was saying stuff actually that we've said on this show a number of times before it's funny, I was listening to Ricky Gervais on Sam Harris's podcast the other day, and it was it was amazing hearing some of the things coming out of Ricky Gervais's mouth that have been said numerous times on this show before, and I just thought, fuck, man, if we had a little bit of a built-in audience before we started this thing, or if I could snag a guest like him, you know, that's so notable, that, you know, sees eye to eye on so many issues. I mean, I saw a tweet from Ricky Gervais the other day, and he was like, if there's one person I could bring back to comment on the current state of affairs it would be christopher hitchens and that guy i mean that that couldn't hit the nail more on the head for me because christopher hitchens is a massive massive hero of mine i love the things he stood for i love the way he fought against 
um, you know, things like this, like, like ultra progressivism or, you know, religion or, you know, these things that we find ourselves seemingly battling with all the time. But a guy like Christopher Hitchens just kill it dead in three minutes with it, like with, with a monologue that you just couldn't, you couldn't beat. You couldn't come back from. He would just tear you to bits and then that was it. He'd break it and it'd be broke forever. And that'd be it, right? Christopher Hitchens, intellectual pimp. If you don't know anything about the man, I suggest you take my recommendation for it and go and look into it, right? Just like Epstein didn't kill himself, hashtag look into it. <laughs> um, but, uh, but yeah, I thought it was really refreshing to hear somebody like Obama come out and say, listen, all this woke shit that you're going for, it's just not the way forward, guys. You got to give it a rest. If you want to do something, then be for advocacy. Get up, get out, mobilize, do something. Make your voice heard, make your actions seen and recognized by their impact, not their appearance of impact. So I thought that was really, really refreshing. Um, and it was great to see, uh, like I said, from a guy like him. Um, so yeah, what else we got guys? What else we got? How are we doing? 40 minutes in? I spent 25 just talking about fat shaming and I could go on and on and on about that. Um, but I think what we'll do is we'll jump into this event that was, um, that was on Saturday night, uh, UFC 244. Um, so for anybody that's not into UFC guys, now's your time to check out and, uh, and it's been good having you for, um, for anybody that's sticking around, I would imagine you've already seen the event. So me having to give you a recap of the results is probably not necessary, right? But we know what happened with Nate. He looked like he'd been attacked by a lion. His eyebrow was hanging off of his face. And his cheek looked like um, he'd been slashed with a katana, right? He, he was opened up. I think he's got like 28 or 30 some odd stitches in his face. Um, anybody that says the doctor didn't do the right thing is a fucking asshole in my opinion. Right? He, he was... You, you can't just let a guy absorb damage just because he can absorb damage. You just can't. So the doctor did exactly the right thing. Nate's, like I said, his fucking eyebrow was hanging over his eye. Um, he was gaping. He was bleeding. It, it was a mess. Was he still coherent? Could he still have continued? 100%. But the doctor's there to save them from their instincts, right? They're fighters. They're the toughest motherfuckers on the planet. They're going to go and go and go until they can't go anymore. That's what they do. You have to have the personnel in place to say, hey, you don't get a say in this right now. Now, of course, there are egregious instances where, you know, refs step in prematurely or doctors step in prematurely. But in my opinion, this was not one of them. Masvidal was butchering his face. And he did good enough of a job in the first three rounds where he got the fight stopped. So fair play. That's what he's in there to do. But I see all these people hating on the... Uh, doctor online, you know, calling for him to be fired and, and, and saying this is bullshit and, you know, so on and so forth. And it's just like, come on, guys, come on, go back and look at Nate's face. Just go back and look at it. You could stick your big finger, your middle finger in his fucking eyebrow where the gash was. 
like they couldn't even stick it back. They were trying to stick it back up with uh, Vaseline and it was just flopping off. <clears throat> so yes, he may have been coming on. Yes, he may have been looking to do work in those championship rounds, but he could have done even more damage to that face had Masvidal just kept targeting it. And he's so accurate, Masvidal, with his striking that he would have just aimed for it. It would have been a fucking target for him. So I don't blame the doctor at all for the stoppages. Not at all. And I'm sure that fight will happen at some point in the future again. I hope it does. It's a bit strange to me now what happens with the BMF title because... You know, the BMF title is the baddest motherfucker. It's not the baddest motherfucker at welterweight. It's not the baddest motherfucker at lightweight. It's the baddest motherfucker. So now, does anybody get to challenge for that belt? What are the parameters around it? Is it just like some superficial hype belt that they do for special circumstances where they can sell a shit ton of pay-per-views by having an absolute brawl with two savages? Because if it's not, then John Jones could potentially challenge for it, right? He could say, well, Masvidal, me and you, motherfucker, let's go. So we need some we need some parameters set around around what's going to happen with this belt now, um, because if it's just a like you're going to have a BMF title in every single division as well, <clears throat> I just don't get it. So, um, but again, don't hate on that doctor. If you're a UFC fan, have some fucking intelligence, have some brains, look at Nate's face, and then understand what the doctor's there to do, and hopefully you can reconcile your your differences with you know any issues you had with that outcome. Um, for me, I think it was a good card overall. I think the standouts were Kevin Lee. That head kick on uh, Gillespie was, you know, that right, that overhand right to set. Was it an over? I think it was an overhand right to set him up, and then the left head kick, which was just, you know, you. I mean, if you pause it on point of connection, it's a poster. It's absolute perfection and if this is anything to go off of in terms of Kevin Lee and his refocus now that he's with Faraz Ahabi you know Kevin Lee could be one to watch again very very soon because he was already a bad motherfucker he didn't even have a trainer right and now he's up at TriStar doing his thing with um with George St. Pierre and Rory McDonald and the rest of those savages up there and he's got Faraz who's the genius you know he's the wizard he's the sensei you know so if this is anything to go off of then you can expect good things because Kevin Lee, don't forget, had a hell of a fight with Tony Ferguson. You know, but I think he had staph in that fight, staph infection in that fight, right? And he obviously got fucked up and what have you. But, you know, good things can happen for Kevin Lee if this is a sign of um, sign of the path that he's back on. Um, but he was a definite standout for me. Obviously, Masvidal looked great. Um, but the one that shocked me the most and the one that I actually lost a bet on was the Corey Anderson fight. And this is my own fucking fault because I got sucked into the Johnny Walker hype. And I think rightly so because he's a hell of an athlete. He's super dynamic. He's been starching everybody he's fought. And I just got caught up a little bit. And I think I've missed or I didn't remember the last couple of Corey Anderson fights. But oh my God, in terms of a standout on the card for me, it's him. Hands down, it's Corey Anderson. And this is a bad motherfucker, man. He's motivated, he's angry, he wants respect. And he just tore through Johnny Walker. Like, I, I couldn't believe it. I was, I'm not even mad at losing the bet after that performance. You know what I mean? Because he just fucked him up so bad. He just put it on him straight away, ran right through him. And now we know what the prescription is. And if you want to beat a guy like Johnny Walker.
But Johnny Walker was fucking around. He thought he was fighting some like 15, 20th rank guy. And he was doing his stupid antics and his bouncing around. And even when uh, Corey Anderson hit him with the overhand right, just before he laid into him, took him down and fucked him up, <clears throat> Johnny Walker was making a stupid face like, ooh, like kind of like, ooh, you didn't hurt me. But he like he actually got rocked. And uh, you can't do that shit with the big boys. You can't do that shit when you're in the elite competition. When you're in the upper ranks, things change. And you got to be on your P's and Q's. You got to be efficient. You got to be technical. And you can't be doing this dumb shit. But he didn't know that. So let's see how Johnny Walker rebounds. But for me, the highlight uh, standout performance of this card was absolutely Corey Anderson. And I think he's at, he's put himself on the map now. Hopefully the UFC is going to take notice. He's going to be right up there, uh, probably fighting Dominic Reyes next. And I think the winner of that fight will probably get a title shot at John Jones. So we'll see what happens. But yeah, the uh, the event was crazy. Uh, overall, pretty good. The Darren Till fight, Kelvin Gastelum uh, co-main event. It was a very technical fight. wasn't very exciting. Um, and I'm not sure about Till, you know? Like he did his thing. He got the win. But all this talk that he's been putting out the past like 24 hours about being terrified before he went in there and, you know, trying to make excuses not to go and not to fight is not what I want to hear from the guy who will then turn around and say, I want to be remembered as the baddest motherfucker that's ever done it, the greatest fighter ever. Those things don't match up to me. And I got a lot of, I got a lot of hope for Darren Till because I think he's one of the most talented people I've ever seen at least in a long, long time, and has all of the tools to just wreck people. But I see certain things in his game, and I'm not an expert, but I see things. I've watched enough fights. <clears throat> Him coming off of combinations and stepping out of an engagement in a fight with his chin up, I mean, it's probably the worst thing a guy can do, especially if you're six foot three or whatever he is, and he comes out with that chin up real high. I mean, that's just asking for a looping overhand right or an overhand left to just turn your fucking lights out. And it's happened to him a couple of times. So what the weight cut had to do with that and him sucking down to 170 when he's a big old boy, you know, diminished him. So maybe he has less of a chin. Who knows? I just think there are some structural things there that need correcting. And, you know, this time last year, before Till lost to um, Woodley, I was speculating that he could be a three-division champion. Welterweight, middleweight, and light heavyweight. I thought he could do all three of them. That's how big I was on Darren Till. And I'm still big on him. But I think there's some real correction points that need to be addressed. Um, but uh, that fight wasn't, you know, it wasn't a uh, it wasn't a fireworks show or anything like that. But it was a good technical performance from Till. Some amazing leg kicks. Um, some amazing... Uh, techniques to disrupt Kelvin's boxing, especially on the inside. So he was smart technically and not taking anything away from the performance. He beat one of the toughest guys in the company, right? And uh, so all all credit due to getting the win. Um, I just think he's, 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 there's another level to Darren Till and I can't wait. Hopefully we will see it and I can't wait until we do. Um, kind of strange that The Rock was there handing out this belt because, yeah, I just, I don't really get it. I don't really get it. And at certain times, he really looked out of place. 
Um, and, you know, he's come on social media with a lot of love and a lot of respect and, you know, a lot of appreciation for being involved in the event. And that's all good. I love The Rock. I think he's amazing. Um, but he just looked out of place. He just looked out of place. Uh, when he was doing the, the ceremonial weigh-ins, he looked weird the way he was standing. And he was, like, side-looking at the fighters. It was very, very strange. Um, the way he had his own entrance with the belt... Um, it was very peculiar when he was standing in the ring after the fight and it was kind of anticlimactic because the, the obviously the doctor had stopped it. He was kind of standing there like, oh, what the fuck? Um, it was all very, very put on. And, uh, and I don't think we should do that anymore, in my personal opinion. Um, and then Trump was there. Trump was at the UFC. So I hate Trump. I can't fucking stand him as a person. But I thought it was cool as shit that the president of the United States was at, was at a UFC event just as a fan. I think that you know, shows incredible evolution and progress of a product that 25 years ago was you know, considered illegal in most parts of America. Um, even up until, you know, and Dana said this in the, pro, in the post-fight press conference, you know, a couple of years ago they weren't even allowed to fight in, uh, in New York State. And now... They've got the president attending their event at Madison Square Garden. So progress is progress. And the point of all of this is that you just have to keep going. Be critical with yourself. You are your product. If there's something wrong with your product, fix it. But unless you've got the nerve and the balls and the self-awareness to look in the mirror and say something with my product is broken and I need to fix it, nothing will change. Progress doesn't happen unless accountability is front and center. <coughs> Coughing my ass off because I haven't had any water in about 10 minutes. Anyways, that's it. We're done. We're done. We've done 50 minutes, almost an hour. Not bad. Um, good show. Liked it. Enjoyed the content. I, I enjoyed what we talked about today. But that's not for me to give a shit about. That's for you to give a shit about. So hopefully you've enjoyed it as well. Hopefully if you have, you'll uh, you'll share this episode. You'll tell people. You'll uh, you know you'll message your friends late at night and tell them you found something special. And that they should tune in as soon as possible. Um, yeah, that's it. Thanks for listening, guys. I'm fucking around here, but I'm having a good time doing it. So I might get on the mic if I can another time this week. We might do two this week um, because I want to talk about something specific. Uh, like I said to you a couple shows ago, I'm looking at doing topic specific episodes and, um, you know, like fat shaming. We could do a whole episode on fat shaming. Uh, we could do a whole episode on mental health. We could do a whole el- episode on alcoholism. So I'm thinking about doing these things, but they take more uh, thought than just writing a couple bullet points down and and, uh, and having a rant. So um, so stay tuned. Maybe one of those this week, maybe not. Uh, but if I get a chance, then uh, then I'd love to do another episode. If I can, fantastic. If not, we'll be back at some fucking point next week to do another show. But this has been episode 113. I'm Daryl. I'm the host of this thing. If you're ever looking for the podcast, go to Spotify, go to iTunes, or go to SoundCloud. And you can always get us on Twitter because we're at, at QuietPartLoud there as well so um so check us out tell your friends um and if you don't go fuck yourself but uh i love you anyway so we'll see you next time and until then guys all the best